Hello and welcome everyone to our podcast series, The Spotlight. I'm your host, Friederike Schnabel. Thanks a lot for tuning in. With me today is Vincent Chignot, Head of Research at Generali Insurance Asset Management. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Vincent, global markets have nicely recovered from the SVB and Credit Suisse induced stress. Is the crisis over already? Any lingering impact on the economy and markets? The banking turmoil in mid-March was a stark reminder that rapid and synchronized monetary tightening tends to cause accidents. Arguably, policymakers acted swiftly to stop contagion and investors have climbed a wall of worry. Risk assets have also benefited from a downward repricing of key rate expectations. For instance, the implied end 2024 Fed fund rate is now trading some 125 basis points below the early March high. Yet, the issues stemming from unrealized portfolio losses in 2022 US bank deposit flight and a broad tightening of lending conditions are still simmering. Meanwhile, central banks must still fight the inflation battle at the risk of making the economic lending harder. Let's start with the economy then, both growth and inflation. Do you find the latest data encouraging? Not really. Of course, the global economy year to date has been resilient and frankly stronger than we expected. The Chinese reopening, revenge spending in services, and the pullback in energy prices since last summer have all helped. The massive policy tightening of the past year is starting to bite, and economic surprise indices are finally starting to turn south. Meanwhile, inflation remains much too high. In the US, the core PCE deflator ran at an annual pace of 4.9% in Q1, which is off the peak of 2021-22, but half a point above Q4-23. In the euro area, inflation momentum is past the peak, but at 5.7% year-on-year, core inflation is at record level. This leaves the ECB and the Fed in a difficult situation, with 25 basis point hikes most likely in early May. Central banks face a daunting challenge. They need to protect financial stability to avoid a sharp economic contraction, but at the same time, kill inflation. The idea of separating the policy tools to achieve all of this is tempting, but in practice, the path is extremely narrow. Vincent, you talked about banking stress still simmering. What exactly are you talking about? Do you see the risk of a bank crisis? Not a systemic bank crisis, no. But there is ample evidence that banks are fighting a tougher battle to protect their funding and liquidity, and in this context, will rationalize balance sheets. Even in Europe, where the case appears less acute than in the US, the quarterly ECB bank lending survey has shown deteriorating trend for both the demand and supply of credits. Historically, this bodes ill for GDP growth. The next survey is due for release on the 5th of May, so watch this space. In the US, temporary factors have supported bank reserves, but this is set to reverse. Uh, if anything, the bank deposit flight continues. Competition from money market funds is fierce, and the risk is that they will park more money at the Fed, taking liquidity out of the system. As the second chart here shows, US SMEs are reporting that it's now harder to access credits. We see the availability of credits as one of the most reliable leading indicators, and investors currently underestimate those headwinds. 
Indeed, global equity markets have had a good year so far, with the MSCI world approached its early February high again in mid-April. So far, so good? True. Positive economic surprises, reduced rate hike expectations, and defensive investor positioning have all contributed to the performance this year. Let me also stress the support from the Fed emergency liquidity provision, which, along with BOJ printing, has boosted global liquidity. But this is over for now. Next in line is the TITRO repayment to the ECB by late June, which will hurt global liquidity. Mind that the equity bounce since mid-March has been unusual with cyclical stocks, which usually have a higher beta, lagging defensive stocks. This talks about simmering economic concerns. Likewise, despite the initial compression, option-adjusted spreads in both US and euro high yields are now as wide as they were at the start of the year. The pickup in defaults has been slow, but we see evidence of SME bankruptcies developing. Corporate bond market distress indices are also picking up. The real estate sector remains under pressure. So under the surface of solid year-to-date equity performance, we see selected defensive allocations being rewarded. Vincent, how to position portfolios in this context? Deteriorating economic surprises and rather hawkish central banks in the near term leave us defensive. We maintain a cautious stance on risky assets, uh, such as equities and high-yield credits. Current CDS levels and low equity volatility make it more attractive to buy protection. We keep an overweight in Govis with a preference for mid-dated bonds and shorter-dated peripherals. We still like U.S. Treasuries as a safe haven hedge. We also like IG credit in euro, with a preference for non-financials over financials and subordination risk over credit risk. We see further high-yield investment-grade decompression, including in the EM sovereign space. We keep a bearish bias on the U.S. dollar, despite its anti-cyclical nature. Our equity underweight is rather limited just now, but augmented by an anti-cyclical bias. We prefer food retail, telecom, utilities over banks, capital goods, and transportation. Thank you for your attention. Thanks a lot, Vincent, for sharing these valuable insights with us. Thank you all for tuning in and hear you soon. 